Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Being together before a holy God, alive in His presence, face to face with each other. You don't get this on a podcast or a video podcast or anything like that. This is a gift right now. We have no guarantee we'll be together like this ever again. And the body of Christ is something precious and valuable. Can I get an amen to that? So let's go before the Lord right now. Father, thank you so much for this. Thank you for six decades of life gathered together right now, worshiping you, wanting to get face to face with you so we can face others as if you were facing them. I believe it's possible. I've seen it. I see it all the time. Let it be more and more. Jesus, now as we open your word, come through. As we read this story, which so many of us are familiar with, let it be as if we are reading it for the first time. Not even reading it. Let us step into the story through your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see. Open our hearts to your conviction so that we can leave change. We didn't come here to appease ourselves. We came here for you. It's all about you. Be glorified now, we pray in Christ's name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Grab a pew Bible or open your Bible. I want everyone to have a Bible. Page 1002, we're going to go to Mark chapter 1. And I want to teach you a term, maybe you know about it, especially if you're younger, you probably know. Have you heard the term upcycling? Upcycling. Uh, upcycling is uh, all over Etsy and Pinterest. It's all the buzz. It is the process of converting discarded, I actually have the um, definition on page one of your notes, discarding, uh, taking discarded materials and converting them into something useful in something beautiful. I was telling some friends of mine the last three days, I've been with my daughter, who's 27, uh, lives in Bend, Oregon, and uh, just got immersed in the world of 20-somethings in a very cool, hip town called Bend. And uh, upcycling's all the rage. Walking through her house, there was so much upcycled. There was furniture that she had upcycled. There was clothing that she had upcycled. There was, there was decor on her wall that she had upcycled. It was unbelievable. Most of us know about recycling. Recycling takes consumer materials, breaks them down so they could be remade into new products, often of lesser quality. Upcycling, on the the other end, isn't breaking down materials. You're restoring and repurposing material for something typically better and more valuable than the original. Okay, is everyone with me on that? The whole message is going to rest on this. So recycling, breaking down, making something new that's of lesser quality. Upcycling, not breaking down, restoring and repurposing for something typically better than the original. So in this face-to-face series, what we're doing is week in and week out, we're watching Jesus upcycle people. Societal discards. And my friends, this is the gospel, the good news on full display And I'm praying as we eavesdrop on these encounters, two things will happen. This is not on the screen. This is where you, if you want, get your pen out and write this down. I'm praying two things happen. And we're going to see it lived out in Mark 1. First, we would prioritize seeking God's face. 
Why are we investing? Why have we invested almost six months in bringing this eight-week series to you? Number one, that you would prioritize seeking God's face, face-to-face. Uh, if you need a proof text of that, Psalm 105, not on the screen again, verse 4, says, look to the Lord. Continually look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face. Not just his hand, I I would just put out there, the majority of our prayers tend to go towards seeking God's hand. Okay, and that's okay. God is a gracious God. But the psalmist says, seek his face. Have you ever come to God and said, I actually don't want anything right now. I just want to tell you how incredible you are. I want to rehearse in my mind your nature. That's what it means to seek his face. We were praising God as the opening of this thing of seeking God's face, okay? His character face-to-face. One, prioritize seeking God's face. Two, then we would face others with a Jesus-empowered perspective. So the, the rhythm of life, the key to life, I'm just proposing for you, seeking God's face and then facing others with a Jesus-empowered perspective. Much like I wear glasses, you put on your Jesus lens, Holy Spirit lens, so we see all through the eyes of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, if you're taking notes, says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This was a secret to the Apostle Paul. He sought God's face, and then he saw no one from a worldly point of view. So important and so needed by the church today. To that end, so we, to the end, so we could supernaturally display God's face to the face of our neighbors, friends, family, face to face. Face to face, face to face. Sunday night, uh, I'm sorry, Friday night, Hannah uh, arranged for me. It was so gratifying for me to be in her world. And she said, Dad, Friday night, uh, we're going to a lawn. I've just texted out to all my friends. My dad's coming in town. I want you to meet my best friends. I want you to meet my, my squad, my tribe. And so there we were um, at a pub on the lawn, live music's playing, and here's the old guy with all the 20-somethings. And one by one, people she worked with, people she's in community with, she's an adventurer, people she rock climbed with, people she um, paddleboarded with, all that, ran with, came. And I found myself in a community of people who identified as followers of Christ, people who identified as atheist, agnostic, Hindu, Jewish, um, a man who was climbing fell 40 feet at, verse, at 35 years old and became a paraplegic um, and was bitter at God. Uh, and none of them really knew. Hannah didn't really tell him. My dad, the pastor, is coming. She just said, my dad is coming. We had the greatest conversation all night. As you focus on people, ask questions, live with curiosity, and then eventually they said, well, what do you do? <laughs> And I just said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And the response is hilarious. It, it, Everything from um, my Hindu friend, because it's Hannah's friend, uh, he says, is that a full-time job? <laughs> uh, to, I never met a real pastor before. And um, as we explained, I got to rehearse for them the good news of Jesus. Um, it was amazing at the end of that to go, wow, I never knew Jesus was like that. That's face to face, face to face. Are you living face to face? I'm asking followers of Christ, is that your rhythm? This isn't about you. You just posture yourself before God. 
seek his face. And as you go through life, he will empower you with the supernatural vision and heart to see others the way he does. Okay? Really, really, really cool. So we're going to see that lived out. I, I just, I take extra time here because we're going to see that lived out in this story. In Mark chapter 1, we're going we're gonna to come up a little bit before the leper because you see Jesus himself, the perfect human, living face to face, face to face. Let's start in verse 35. So you're at page 1002, pew Bibles or in your Bibles. Is everyone there? Here we go. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He picked up the morning paper and opened his homepage and started emailing. Sorry, Jesus didn't live on the peninsula. This is the Lord of the universe. No, he left the house and went off. And this is an important word. I'd circle it in your Bible to a solitary place. We'll get to that. Where he what, church? Yeah, what was he doing? Uh, I wrote this to you two weeks ago in my weekly email. He was seeking God's face. He was orienting himself before God as father. If I had more time, I'd build that out. But it was a priority for Jesus um, to orient himself often before a good God, realizing you're the father, I'm the child. That was his habit. And, and I would just say, can I have everyone's attention, please? I say this as graciously as possible. If the Lord of the universe, the perfect human being, needed this kind of rhythm for life, why do I think, as a flawed human individual, endeavoring to be a child of God, I don't need it either? Best thing I do in my day has nothing to do with how I interact with you, or my family, or my wife, or my kids. Best thing I do in my day is this habit of regularly orienting myself before God, seeking his face. Now look at this. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him. They didn't know where he was. They exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to nearby villages, so I can go preach there also. He's north in the Galilee, in rural villages, and he's, he says, we got to go somewhere else. This is important. That's why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons, okay? So seeking God's face, face to face, seeking God's face, facing others. Let's jump to that second priority, page two. Let's see how Jesus lived after seeking God's face. And we're going to use our upcycle definition. First thing I want you to see, Jesus upcycles, he converts discarded materials. Pick it up in verse 40 man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. I'm just going to bring us into the story. Matthew and Luke also talk about this story and they add some to here. Matthew actually says he came to Christ with leprosy and worshiped him. Uh, proskuneo, he, he fell on his face before the Lord. So Mark took it on his knees. He went further. And when he speaks, he's completely on his face before the Lord. Okay. He flattened himself in humble and humility before the Lord, okay? Breaks through the crowd, is a complete fool. He's got nothing to lose, so he's going for it. This, my friends, is a picture of a desperate man. If you're willing, he says, you can make me what? Clean. Jesus was indignant, interesting. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. 
immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Let me build out leprosy. Most of us know about it, but in those days, it's called Hansen's disease today. It wasn't just a disease. It was a total condition affecting you physically, emotionally, spiritually. This man was a complete discard, completely discarded. Physically, it would, uh, it would, it's a bacterial infection that numbs your nerves and begins to eat away at your skin and at your organs. Um, and it was, he was literally falling apart. It was grotesque to look at. No cure in that day for Hansen's disease. So he's discarded physically. He was, he was put out because he was so grotesque and it was so infectious that you'd have to go outside into the wilderness to live. Which leads to my second thing, he was discarded socially. You were so contagious in that day if you were a leper, you were not allowed to go anywhere near people. You were isolated from everyone you loved. The only place you could live, the wilderness. Or the word Mark used for lonely places. It was the only place you could live. You would be discarded from society. Total emotional isolation from your community. If lepers came near an inhabited place or they saw someone coming near them, the, the Pharisees had distances. If you were upwind or downwind, the distance changed between 50 and 100 feet. You would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Imagine how that messed with your identity. Your whole identity was found in one word, unclean. Uh, raise your hand if you want to be known by your absolute most embarrassing or shameful thing about you. We laugh here, and, and rightly so, I put it in there to break the tension a little bit. Um, but I got to tell you, sitting with my daughter's friends and reading the books, the word on the street is our view of people on the street, not in church, can be found in one word, unclean. You better get your act together before you're part of this community. None of us want to be a part of that. This man had no intimacy. I would tell you, you can live without sexuality. None of us can live without intimacy. You can live celibate. You were never created to function without intimacy. And this man had none. And then, physically, socially, spiritually, the prevailing religious thought was that lepers were cursed by God, so they were completely excluded from synagogue in any sense of corporate worship, which was their only hope. We don't know his backstory. Did this man have a wife? Did he have kids? Did he have a job that he was kicked out of? But we know the leper's Jewish by what he says. If he was Roman, he would have said, if you're willing, you can make me well. But look what he asked. What he asked? If you're willing, you can make me clean. I so badly, maybe even more than healing, so badly want to be back in my religious community. And the only way back is to be made clean. And I have no way to make myself clean. You're my only hope 
So forget all the protocol. Forget living away from culture and community. I am throwing literally myself at you with no conditions. Jesus, if you don't come through, I will be killed. The Romans would come in and kill this man. But even death would be better than the life that I'm living right now. I'm unclean. Luke says in verse, chapter 5, verse 12, he was completely full of this disease. Completely full. Can I ask you a question? Uh, who are the lepers in your life? Who are the people that you just look right through? That's what this whole series is about. The people that you would label discarded. I, I'm not judging you. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to change the hearts of his followers, to value people the way he does. Who are those? I think this leper teaches us how to come to Christ, even as followers of Christ, how to come to Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, let me just say definitively, this man will show you what it means to have a relationship with Christ, how to come to Christ in all your uncleanness. I, I'm not labeling you that, but you feel that internally. Each of us carry shame and guilt just by not living up to our own moral code, let alone God's moral code. How do we come to Christ? Here's what I want us to know. Followers of Christ, not yet followers of Christ. Here's what I want us to know. Number one, he's desperate. He's desperate. My brothers and sisters, are you desperate still for Jesus? Did you come into this place desperate to encounter Jesus? To, be, to get a new glimpse of his grace, a new aspect of his hope? This man came and threw it all before Christ. And I don't think that is just the way you come to Christ. I think that's how you stay in Christ, with desperation. He's breaking all the rules, throwing himself at Jesus' mercy. If Jesus doesn't do something right away, like I told you, this man, the Romans would be coming. They would beat him to death. This is scandalous. There is tension in rural Galilee right now. Secondly, he's humble. This is really important. He's humble. In essence, he's saying, I've risked everything to come to you. I'm going to get killed if you don't do something. And death is better than the life I'm living. At the heart of what he's saying is, Jesus, look at his question in your Bible. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm coming with no conditions before you. All I know is this. If you're willing, you can do it. I write in your Bibles, I did in mine, no conditions. No conditions. I see in my own life, maybe you can identify so much entitlement. Jesus, I, I'll do this, but you've got to do that. Ulterior motives or, or trying to bargain with God. Uh, I saw this in my daughter, uh, Jojo. She's 10 and she lost a tooth. And this is the note we found under her bed. Uh, she doesn't even know what a $100 bill is. And it's like, I want a $100 bill, Tooth Fairy. How often do we do that with God? I really want you to give me this. I want this from you. Here's my conditions. Here's the obedience I'll give you if you. 
I'm willing to follow you on a Sunday, but don't make me follow you on a Monday. God, don't make me talk to that person. Don't make me love that. Conditions. I'm so convicted by this man. Over the years, I've talked to a ton of people interested in following Jesus, even last Friday night. But oftentimes, their interest in Christ is tempered by their conditions. If I become a Christian, I heard this Friday night, would I have to give up this? If I become a Christian, would I have to stop doing this? Uh, This man lays all that away because the most important thing in his life is who Jesus is. So he says to Jesus, no conditions. In other words, I'd like Jesus in my life, these people say, but I have things I like doing, certain things I don't want to stop doing. I want to come, you ready for this? I want to come to Christ on my terms, not on his terms. I don't think that's only true for people who don't know Christ. I think in the church, we still do that. I know we still do that as your pastor. I want to come to Christ on my terms, not on his terms. My friends, my dear brothers and sisters, I'm just saying that is not a way to life. It's not a way to life. And may God be gracious to all of us to be able to come to a place where we live a no conditions life. Because think about this for a second, okay? This might be the most profound thing. I don't say a lot of profound things that I say this morning. If Jesus is who he says he is, the Lord of the universe, how could we possibly know and understand ourselves before we know and understand him? So we must come to him on his terms. And only in doing that do we fully understand ourselves and who we are to be fully human. So this this leper is modeling how to come to Christ. He says, you're the Lord of reality. I give up my right to decide not only how to live my life, but even to define what I need. Here I am. Do with me what you will. Beautiful, isn't it? I just want to be him. So the question now, so we've seen the leper and the view from, from way down low. He's just before in the dirt, sucking dust. Now let's get the view of Jesus. What does Jesus think of people that we've discarded? Look at Jesus' response. Look what he does. He says nothing. He reaches out and does what? Touches him. He touches him. Why? Did Jesus need to touch him to heal him? Absolutely not. Jesus was touching him because his body, he wasn't touching him because his body needed it. He was touching him because his psyche needed it. This was a full healing. You are holistic, my friends. Body, mind, spirit. And Jesus wants to heal the whole thing. I told you in October, my mom passed away after a 20-year chronic illness. It was actually a blessing that she passed. So much of her was gone for the last 10 years. And um, the morning that she passed, I was meeting with a man um, to sharpen each other. And it was early in the morning and uh, we were sharing prayer requests. And I said, well, my mom is in hospice. It's the third time she's been on hospice. And um, I'm like, please pray because, you know, any day now, I think it really could be the day. And eat, right after I said that, I kid you not, ping, my brother texted me. And I pick up the phone. I'm like, and it, only, it just said this, mom just passed. She was in Sacramento. And I looked at Brad, who I was with, I'm like, My mom just died. And I just broke down and wept. And Brad didn't say anything. He just left his chair, came over to me, and just held me. It was the most beautiful thing 
to be held by my brother, the touch of it. And just, it's just like, I was like a little boy in this, Brad's 40-something, in this 40-something-year-old man's arms. There is ministry in the healing of touch, and that's what Jesus does first. But then look at verse 41. We get a glimpse of Jesus' psyche. Jesus was what? Verse 41. Indignant. The word means to feel or show anger over something that is perceived as unfair treatment. To feel or perceive anger at something that is unfair. And whenever that word's used of Jesus, it always led to action. It's only used of him like four or five times. It always led to action. What do you think he was angry over? Genesis tells us he was at creation when it was made. He saw community in perfection. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He saw perfect community. And now, how many ever years later, he's walking the earth and he sees the havoc that sin had caused. And I just want to tell you, it made him angry. Don't think of anger in human terms. We see it all over the time, all over the place. We see it in the mirror when it causes destruction and pain. Jesus' anger causes healing and upcycling. He was angry. And he funneled that anger into a touch that began a healing process. What do you think Jesus thinks of when he looks at our world? Multiply, just by population increase alone, the amount of sin all over the world. He is angry, not at people, but what sin has caused. And he wants us to get involved. I'll be honest with you, some in this room, we have anger problems. I have a hunch many in this room aren't angry enough. Aren't angry enough to get involved. Aren't angry enough to be the answer. Aren't angry enough to be the solution to what sin has caused. And we're not angry enough, frankly, because we're not living face to face before the Lord. We're not engaging in the pattern that Jesus engaged in. Are you angry? (laughs) Not in the bad way in the holy way that would make you cross a barrier, jump in a mess, break break your own uh, limits of what you'll get involved in to make a difference. At our best, PCC is filled with people. You are the, the, the best part of PCC who funnel that righteous indignation to be a force for good. That's where we are at our best. So when people ask me, and they did uh, Friday night, what kind of church do you pastor? You see right here the church that Jesus had in mind. If we're going to embody the ministry of Jesus, we're going to be a church that meets physical and spiritual needs. We are a church that gives children backpacks who can't afford it, that feeds people on the streets, but also that calls people to repent because it's the most gracious thing we could do. We are deluded by sin, and we need to turn to Christ. That's what you see here. I took a lot of time in this, but I want to bring us into the story. What an amazing Savior Jesus is. Thank God he doesn't treat me according to how I deserve to be treated. 
And may we, the prayer of this series is that through face-to-face, as we get caught up before the face of that kind of God, we would face others with that kind of compassion and beauty and touch and jump into the mess. But let's look at the back end now, quickly, page three. The back end of our definition of upcycling, converting discarded materials, now let's look at this, into something useful and beautiful. All that is good, but if it doesn't make a difference in that man, in the dirt, on his face, his life, what good is it, really? Look at verse 43. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest. The priest meant go to Jerusalem. In other words, this man was so healed. Remember, Luke says he was full of leprosy. Uh, This man was so healed, he could make now a 60-mile march into Jerusalem. I mean, everything was put back in an instant. Muscles were put back on. Blood veins were flowing. Everything, synapses were firing. This man was completely healed. Eyebrows were put back on. Teeth that had fallen out were put back in. And he is clean. He is healed. He is able now to make a 60-mile journey to Jerusalem. And that's what Jesus tells him to do. Why? Because the priest was the public health official of the day. And he would declare him fit to be back in community. Remember his request? I want to be clean. When you ask Jesus and come to Jesus, oftentimes he gives you more than you ask. He wanted to be clean. Jesus says, I'll one-up you. I'll get you healed. Amazing, right? Ephesians 3, verse 20. Who knows it? Ephesians 3, 20. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. God is able to do imaginably more than we can ask, not imagine. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So he gives him a strong warning. Don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest, offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. Why? As a testimony to them. I want you to be clean. There's a public way to be clean. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely. What? Spreading the news. Now, I just want you to say here, uh, there's a side principle here. We don't disobey in a vacuum. Uh, While I was with Hannah for 48 hours, Uh, we talked about her upbringing and pain that I had caused because of my sin in her life. Uh, And I just regularly say to my girls, um, I want to know, and and I want you to know what I'm aware of, and I want to ask your forgiveness uh, for issues in my life, in your upbringing that God's convicted me. And if you have something, I want you to tell me of this. Because here's the deal. I don't sin in a vacuum. My sin doesn't just affect me. It affects a community. That's the case as your pastor. That's why I ask that you would pray for me and Johnny and Ken and and, um, all, Marty, everyone that you see on the platform, that we would walk humbly before God because we don't sin in a vacuum. This man's going to disobey Christ and it's going to make an impact on Jesus. Let's see that. That's a side note but I felt led by the Holy Spirit to stick it in there for us. Instead, he began to talk freely, spreading the news. Here comes the result. As a result, there's always a result communally to your sin. There's always a result horizontally to our sin. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside where, church? Yeah, I'm going to ask one more time. Where? In lonely places. places. What's Mark doing here? 
Do you see at the end of the story, the leper in Jesus, you ready? Have exchanged places. The star of the story, Jesus is in a lonely place. I, I'm sorry, Jesus is in the city communing. The leper's in a lonely place. He comes in the city. Jesus ends in a lonely place. That, my friends, is the gospel. That is what God has done for you and me in willingness to exchange his life for yours. But there's one other thing that's happening here. Mark, in Mark chapter 1, he's writing this biography and purposely puts this story at the beginning of the biography to forecast that one day Jesus will be banished to a lonely place, to the place where lepers were sent to hang on a cross and die for the sins of people. Thank you, Lord. That's what we have here, so that you and I can come to Christ and be upcycled, that we could become clean, that we could live in community, in intimacy with the Trinity and others. See, my friends, and I got to close. I'm already over time. Can you just give me your best attention for four minutes? Can we do that? You don't have, well, you do have a choice. I'm going to take four minutes, whether you give me your best attention or not. When Peter said in verse 37, everyone's looking for you. That is so true. Everyone is looking for a savior. And if you would and just join me, whether you're a Christian or not, and humbly just think with me and be curious with me. Everyone's looking for a savior. And we look to things that are lesser gods to fill the void and create an identity, create a purpose, create something beyond uh, that transcends our existence. Without judgment, I saw it that Friday night talking to people. I see it in my own life. I see it everywhere I go. Everyone's looking for a savior. And the functional saviors that we create here in the West just don't satisfy. They don't. Jesus comes as a better savior with a better gospel that lasts longer than anything we can create to fill the void within us. And Mark is saying, this is who Jesus is. Hallelujah. So in closing, I want to ask two questions. One, have you come to Christ like this? Have you come before Christ and said, no conditions, I need a savior, you're my only hope, I want to give my life to you to do with me what you will. If you never have, I'm going to give you that opportunity as we close in prayer. Number two, for followers of Christ, have you lost your desperation in coming to Christ? Has it become perfunctory? I want to encourage you like the leper this morning, come to Jesus and say, make me a hungry woman. Make me a hungry man. Give me a desperation to seek, you ready? Not just your hand, to seek your face. Life isn't found in the hands of Jesus. It's found in his countenance and in his character. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what an unbelievable display of grace and mercy and truth combined. Make us like this leper. Make us like this leper.
if you identify as a Christian and you've lost the desperation or you want more desperation, you've been convicted today and you would say, Jesus, create in me a brand new hunger and thirst for your face, not just your hand. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Great, great. Thank you. Jesus, you see these hands and I come alongside. Mine's lifted high. I've got two hands up. So badly want a brand new despair, a brand new hunger of humility. Forgive me for making you perfunctory or ritual. Give us hunger as we gather. Give us hunger as we break. Give us a thirst, Lord, to see people as you do, to see your face, not just your hands. If you don't identify as a follower of Christ and maybe you've heard about this grace and never embraced it, Jesus offers you his hand, his touch. If you would say, okay, I, I'm before you. Step into my life. Jesus, it's, it's about you. I want to come to you and live with new life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to come to you, Jesus. I want new life in you. Right. These words aren't magical, but you can say them to God. Jesus, I need you. And if you're willing, you can make me clean. I'm coming to you. Take my life and upcycle me into the woman or man you want me to be. Father, thank you as we continue to worship you not just with song, but with um, our gifts, with our lives. Continue to work. We pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.